Okay, it looks like the Senate will vote today, Thursday, to block President Trump's emergency declaration. Beto O'Rourke, congressman from Texas, has announced that he is running for president in 2020. No surprise there. A lot of people were expecting this. And Beto says that he wants to restore unity to a divided country. He's number 14 or 15 candidate here running in the primary. And the Democrats, a lot of them are pinning their hopes on Beto O'Rourke, hoping that he can be the hero to swoop in and save the country from President Trump. He's kind of viewed as the Democrat version of President Trump. He's young. He's energetic. He's a moderate. And it's interesting, in a pool of candidates who are extremely liberal-slash-socialist, uh, Beta O'Rourke is much more moderate, he and Biden, and you know, I'm more concerned if he were to win, and look, it's such a toss-up at this point, anybody who tells you they can predict, think about how many people thought that Trump was going to be the nominee at this point, back in the 2016 election, but uh, the, the thing about Beto and Biden is they're more moderate. Now, Trump, as we're going to talk about soon, is not afraid to use the socialist word, which is something that you were never allowed to do, call a Democrat a socialist, even if they were socialist. McCain and Romney never did that. In fact, I believe John McCain was asked if Obama was a socialist, and McCain went out of his way, bent over backwards to say, no, 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 I would never accuse him of that. So th this is going to be interesting to watch, but you know, it's hard to replicate what President Trump does. Okay, Elizabeth Warren was asked about this scandal where these parents uh, cheated and bribed to get their students into school. They actually had these fake SAT scores and a lot of other shenanigans. Elizabeth Warren said, I have zero sympathy. Do you have any sympathy for these parents? No, I have zero sympathy for parents who bribed and cheated to get their children admitted into college illegally. Elizabeth Warren, the irony here, she falsely claimed to be an American Indian. She checked off the box and Harvard University hired her as a professor because they had quotas to fill. And she said, well, do you can count me as a minority? She literally took the job away from a real minority. Well, she is one one thousandth American Indian. She may even be one five hundredth American Indian. Totally outrageous that she claims to be a liberal trying to protect the little guy, and yet she stole the job from a minority. Now, I am against affirmative action and quotas. You hire somebody based on the, the, their qualifications, but she's in favor of that. Here, they didn't do either. She wasn't qualified. Oh, but she's a minority. She wasn't a minority either, and yet zero sympathy for these parents. Okay, Andrew Weissman, one of Bob Mueller's lead prosecutors, is stepping down apparently next week from the Mueller probe. And yet another sign that things are winding down. He was one of the lead prosecutors in the Manafort trial since that sentencing just happened. Andrew Weissman is done with his job. He's the pit bull of the Mueller investigative team. Now, uh, everyone, all the signs do point to, even though there was a report that the Mueller investigation, there's enough money, enough funding to actually get through September. This just came out. But it seems that they're going to be winding it down sooner than that. So they have extra money. They can't find, the government cannot find the money to build a wall on the border. It's, it's good Mueller doesn't need to build any walls. Is his office surrounded by walls? You know, I wonder if Bob Mueller's office, if the wall broke, if it would be immoral for him to use the taxpayer dollars to build a wall. Hey, just let, let people come in from off the street. But either way, the big question is going to be, will they release the Mueller report? The House, led by the Democrats, has voted that the Mueller report, when it comes out, must be released to the public. Again, that's not going to get anywhere in the Senate. But I actually 
pretty much I'm in favor of them just releasing, publishing the Mueller report for the very simple reason that we know that parts of it are going to leak out. And we know how this always works. Which parts are going to leak out? Not the parts that absolve President Trump of collusion and obstruction and say that uh, there is no evidence whatsoever of Trump-Russia collusion, but the, the parts that leak out are going to be all the parts that sound, you know, all uh, negative and uh, make all these references to potential conspiracies and the meeting in Trump Tower and the Moscow and Michael Cohen and all that stuff. So those are going to be leaked out anyway. So wouldn't you rather have the context? Wouldn't you rather have the, the entire report as opposed to just bits and pieces that are going to sound incriminating? Okay, many of you have left me messages or sent me emails. You're very excited about the new hotline, most of you at least, and we really appreciate your support and encouragement. I know a lot of you have been here from day one, and I feel so connected with all of you, and we're really excited on our end too. And you will get, by the way, three different numbers. You'll be able to use a total of three numbers. It's a really neat system because once you subscribe, it'll actually know, your, it'll tell who you're call, who's calling by the caller ID. So it'll actually detect your number, the number calling by the caller ID. And if you're subscribed, then of course it'll let you through. So you'll get to put in three separate numbers as long as they're part of your household. Again, we hopefully will fill you in on all the details here in the coming days. Okay, President Trump has announced he's going to issue an executive order about student loan debt. And what's going to happen is they're going to make colleges swallow more of the tuition money when it defaults, when people default on their student loans. In other words, there's a huge default rate on student loans, very often because people don't end up graduating or some other reason they don't end up being able to pay back their loan. And who ends up losing that money right now? It's the government because the government's pretty much the one shelling out all these student loans. Here are some shocking statistics about student loans. Right now, there is a total student loan debt, $1.5 trillion. Total student loan debt in the United States is $1.5 trillion. Now, 98% of private student loans get repaid. There are private student loan companies and then the government, most of it is government loan, lent student loans, money that's lent by the government. Private student loans almost always get repaid, 98%. Government student loans have a double-digit default rate. So that's a huge number when you talk about loans, double digits of default uh, with government student loans. And a big part of the problem is, you know, the government doesn't have the right standards. The government gives out this money like it's giving out candy. Literally, I have a friend, he said when he was in medical school, there was just a booth that he could go to here. You get another check. They would just encourage you to take out more and more student loans. Again, the colleges prefer it that way. They want people spending all this money and they want to encourage this kind of behavior, but then people default. So Trump says he's going to make the colleges. It's great. The colleges... They get people to borrow all this money. They get paid up either way. And then when the students default, well, the government loses the money, taxpayers, you and me, but the universities get paid either way. So Trump is going to force the universities to swallow some of that. And really, the deeper story is President Trump is finally declaring war on colleges. And I say finally because we've never seen this before. It should have been done a long time ago by Republicans. Colleges are, are have been turned into a weapon by the Democrats, no exaggeration there. They indoctrinate these young students and they literally are manufacturing liberals and socialists. And that's why the young people are so drawn to the socialist movement right now. Trump is also going to issue an executive order forcing 
uh, colleges to allow free speech. You can literally on campus, conservatives go to speak on campus and they get assaulted. They literally have to come with bodyguards and they get assaulted. That's how extreme the atmosphere is here in most of these colleges. They're training centers for liberals. Okay, very interesting. Rahm Emanuel, mayor of Chicago, and of course, Barack Obama's former advisor, former chief of staff. Rahm Emanuel has written an op-ed to Democrat candidates, warning Democrat candidates to hide from the word socialist and to make sure that they don't play into the socialist hype. This is fascinating because Rahm Emanuel here is basically telling these leftist extremists candidates that they are going to ensure that President Trump gets reelected. He happens to be 100% right, but I, I was hoping that the Democrats wouldn't realize this. I, th I think many of them will not, although I I'm telling you, I've told you this before. They're going to try to sound all extremists in the primaries, ironically, because now so many of them sound socialist that it's not going to distinguish them. But that's what they think. They think if they sound more socialist than everybody else, then they're going to get the nomination. And then if they get the, whichever one gets the nomination, obviously, if it's Biden, he's already pretty moderate. They're going to suddenly take a sharp turn the other way and suddenly be a moderate. And the reason is because if President Trump can label you a socialist and if he can get people in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, just good average American citizens who tend to lean Democrat, they hear that word socialist, they will run like the wind away from these candidates, you know, from uh, Kamala Harris, you know, or, 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 or Bernie Sanders. Yet, and especially if these people are associated with Ocasio-Cortez and the likes. So Rahm Emanuel is saying, you've got to hide from this. Now, here's where it's fascinating, because President Trump has actually made it much harder for these liberal, radical, extreme leftists, borderline socialists to get elected. Obama was a borderline socialist. Look at Obamacare. That paved the way. He couldn't go any. He would have gone further if he could have. He literally discussed redistributing the wealth. So what happened was Trump, he's labeling these people socialists. You were never allowed to do that before, right? At the State of the Union, he, he called them out. We're not going to allow socialists to take over this country. America's never going to be socialist. He used the socialist word. That's never been done. McCain never used it. Romney never used it. So what happened was the Democrats were always able to lean socialist oh, for, for, for decades now, never worry. Well, maybe someone will call them out. The media is not going to call them out. And the Republicans, they're too respectable. They're too dignified. McCain, Romney, they were never going to call Obama a socialist. So it was safe to be socialist and you would never get called out on it. Now, Trump, we know, is Mr. Direct, Mr. Blunt, is here. He's made it dangerous for Democrats to actually uh, espouse these these very, very radical views. So Rahm Emanuel is calling them out. And uh, ironically, Rahm Emanuel helped create the socialist movement in this country. And now he's warning Democrats that they better hide from it. So here's a quote from the op-ed Rahm Emanuel. He said, even though Trump's vulnerable, Democrats cannot bank on voters being more dismayed by him than they are enamored of us. He's saying Democrats are going to figure, well, they don't like Trump, so I'm going to win even if they don't like me. He says it doesn't work that way. And uh, he said that Trump made it clear that he's going to paint Democrats as socialists to scare swing voters out of the Democrat fold. If Trump's only hope for winning a second term turns on his ability to paint us as socialists, we put, shouldn't play to that type. So whatever, it, it does it. You know, Ron Manuel saying, well, Trump's only hope. He, come on, he can never get reelected. He's Trump. That's what they always say, right? But his only hope is if he makes us demonized into socialists, so we cannot allow ourselves to do that. 
He's essentially saying to Democrats, hide from the beliefs that you claim to have. And that's exactly the playbook, as we told you. We believe in Medicare for all. We believe in redistribution of wealth. We believe in the Green New Deal. Oh, but by the way, we believe in supporting people who are unwilling to work. Oh, but by the way, socialist? No, I'm not. A, I'm a moderate. I'm not a socialist. Okay, speaking of socialists, Bernie Sanders, his new press secretary, has made anti-Semitic comments on Facebook, and then she retracted it and apologized, although it's a very weak apology. His new press secretary for Latino outreach questioned, questioned Jewish loyalty along the same lines, even mentioned Elon Omar. Unbelievable. And I, well, I have no idea what she was thinking, but she has retracted, again, too little, too late. Here's the quote. Do you not think that the American government and American Jewish community has a dual allegiance to the state of Israel? This was on Facebook, having a discussion with some other commenter saying, don't you think the Jewish community and the American government has a dual allegiance to the state of Israel? And in the next line, she referenced Elon Omar. So, of course, she has apologized. And we see this pattern again and again. When are they going to wake up? Or maybe we're the ones who need to wake up. Because, Well, let me make an anti-Semitic comment. Oh, wait a second. You said something. Well, let me apologize. Sorry, I didn't realize. What was I thinking? You know, uh, you like make this disparaging comment about somebody. Well, I didn't realize that I hate that. Well, what do you mean you didn't realize? If you hate them, you hate them. It doesn't matter if you realized. You're still a hater. So this is what's that. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, well, do it again. Well, then I'm sorry. Now, the next person does it. Oh, well, I'm sorry. And that's it. Like, they just can move on. And the answer is yes. The media is actually allowing this. And maybe we're partially responsible. I think we all have to figure out how to speak out against this, but it's really very, very dangerous that these viewpoints are becoming mainstream and these people are, are facing zero consequences. Okay, Dick's Sporting Goods, I think the largest sporting goods store chain in the country, they've decided to remove guns altogether from 125 of their stores. This is very interesting because their business took a major hit. Their business has suffered last year in a bunch of stores, they changed their policy. They would only sell firearms to people above 21, not people below 21. And I think they stopped selling certain assault-style weapons. And a lot, their sales have actually plunged since they made that decision. A lot of people said they refused to shop at Dick's Sporting Goods because they basically took a stance in favor of gun control. And a lot of conservatives, a lot of gun rights people said, I'm not shopping there anymore. The boycott in the store. Now they're removing guns altogether from 125 of their stores. Very interesting business decision. It's hard to understand it. It seems that they're more concerned with their political beliefs than they are with their business, which I would never recommend that from a business standpoint, but it is interesting. You know, I could hear the debate. If, if, if you believe that something is truly immoral, you run a business and you believe it's something, something's truly immoral, I disagree with them about the morality of selling guns. You could argue that it's very moral to sell guns because you're giving people a way to defend themselves. But if you have a certain moral belief and you say, listen, I'm willing to lose money and let my business take a hit, I can certainly respect that viewpoint. But it's interesting. I, I would be curious, and I don't know if there's any way to find out the statistics, how many criminal shootings, whether it's mass shootings or whether it's just even domestic violence, how many people actually get killed by guns that are purchased legally at Dick's Sporting Goods? And I don't know the answer. I'm not saying that I'm assuming that the answer is zero. I would imagine that it happens sometimes. I, I wonder if more people defend themselves with guns bought from Dick's Sporting Goods than the amount of people who are actually gunned down, Rahman al by guns purchased from Dick's Sporting Goods. But you wonder, you wonder what the actual data is 
And like I said, I'm not sure if there's any way to find out the answer, but either way, that's going to be their new policy in most of their stores or many of their stores. As I mentioned, the Senate will vote to stop President Trump's emergency declaration to use border wall funding. President Trump has said that he will veto it. Mike Pence has spent several days trying to negotiate with Republicans. They were trying to work out a deal where they would stop this vote, allow Trump to use these funds, but then Trump would agree to never make another emergency declaration in the future, at least regarding a border wall. I don't think that he was going to relinquish his right to ever make, declare an emergency. That wouldn't make any sense, but at least to not build a border wall with funding. And somehow the negotiations fell apart. If you want to know which Republicans are joining the Democrats to stop President Trump, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, as expected, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Rand Paul. Uh, now, Marco Rubio, Mitt Romney, Lamar Alexander, Johnny Isaacson from Georgia, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, Ben Sass from Nebraska, Jerry Moran, they also may join those other four senators. We're going to keep an eye. That vote's happening today, Thursday. And finally, Mike Huckabee wrote an op-ed piece. Why had did Nancy Pelosi announce that she is not going to impeach President Trump? What's the real thinking here? And he describes a really interesting power struggle between Nancy Pelosi and some of the more extremist pro-impeachment anti-Trump Democrats in the House. So they're led by Jerry Nadler, Adam Schiff, Rashida Tlaib, of course, Ocasio-Cortez. We can add Elon Omar to the list. And he says there's this power struggle where Nancy Pelosi, not only is she more moderate than a lot of these radicals, but in addition to being more moderate, she's viewed as more of a policymaker. And she's viewed as being more rational and you know less uh, impulsive about, well, we have to impeach President Trump. So what, what's happening here is there's sort of these two different opinions, two different segments here of the Democrat Party. And this is causing a lot of divisiveness, which is a very good thing in the Democrat Party for the rest of the country. But it's actually pretty fascinating. Nadler Schiff Tlaib Ocasio-Cortez, um, and we told you billionaire Tom Steyer, Steyer has a lot to do with this, they're very, very in, much in favor of impeachment. They don't care about the facts. They don't care about whether Trump committed any crimes. It's irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. They want to get Trump. I don't even think they want to do it for political reasons. It could hurt them politically. They want to get Trump because they simply want to bring the man down. It, it's, it's just like this emotional, visceral thing. And Pelosi, the more rational, uh, moderate, the more reasonable Democrat. She says, this is absurd. You're blowing up your own party. She knows that there's unlikely going to be any evidence whatsoever of collusion or obstruction. She knows the Mueller probe is going to be a big letdown for a lot of these Democrats. And essentially, the, the more radicals, the more radical Democrats in the House they just said, listen, let's wage war. Let's just have two years of investigations. Let's have this road to impeachment. And that's the struggle. And Nancy Pelosi says, I don't want to do that. Let's create policies. Let's pass bills. Let's do what Congress was meant to do. Now, it's really interesting because you know I think Nancy Pelosi is 100% right in terms of her strategy here. I believe that if they don't impeach Trump, the Democrats, they actually will be much better off here come 2020. But the question is, can she resist? You know, she was looked at as the leader as she got reelected again for Speaker of the House here a few months ago. Most of the Democrats rallied behind her. And yet clearly she has zero control over these radicals who are just salivating here, waiting to pounce on President Trump. So we're going to keep an eye on all that. All right, that's going to do it on this very busy Thursday, and we will see you next time.